0: Hi, today I'm going to talk about some questions that you usually ask to lenders. And I'm here with Travis from Travis Schmidt Group at Fairway Mortgage. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of like you said, uh, my name is Travis Schmidt. Uh, I'm, I work for Fairway on the Travis Schmidt Group. Uh, I've been in finance uh, since 2005, so shoot, gosh, we're going on 15 years. Uh, again, love doing what I do. You know, there's nothing brings a smile to my face than, you know, kind of helping somebody, you know, bring a home ownership, uh, the dream of home ownership to a reality. So, again, I'm thankful for having me and, you know, let's see what we can do to help
0: these clients. Thank you for coming. So, the first question I want to start with is, What is the difference between pre-qualification and pre-approval? I hear those interchangeably all the time. What is the difference?
1: Yeah, good question. Now, depending on who you ask, you might get a different answer, but the way that I'm gonna define it is, pre-qualification is when you do an application with a lender, Uh, you turn in your documentation, and based off of that, uh, lenders experience they're telling you hey you're good to go you're pre-qualified go out there and find a home I read a pre-approval a little bit different a pre-approval whenever you put the word approval into this phrase it's just a little bit higher of a qualification right it's when you actually get some type of a underwriting approval uh, in our scenario here when I tell someone they're pre-approved that's when I've done the pre-qualification stage and then ran it through our automated underwriting system and then still maintain an approval mm-hmm. so pre-approved you have some type of approval pre-qualification you don't, but again, you know, a lot of these uh, lenders around town have been doing this a long time, so you don't necessarily always need a pre-approval, but again, with, you know, what's going on right now, I think it's going to hold more weight when you're putting an offer, so I would shoot for pre-approval. I always do a pre-approval before I let my clients uh, put in an offer.
0: Great, thank you. Another term that I hear interchangeably is interest rate and APR. Is there a difference?
1: There is. Actually, there's a huge difference. Uh, Interest rate is going to be the percentage that your payments are calculated off of, and the APR is annual percentage rate, which is different. Annual percentage rate is actually the cost of credit being extended to you, expressed as a percentage. So two separate things. So you could have, for example, a 3% rate, and say like a 3.1% APR, but the APR has nothing to do with what your payments are based off of. So don't confuse the two. Um, just make sure you're asking the right questions, you know, when you want to you know know what the difference are, when you want to know which each one is. All right, Thank yeah. you.
0: So what is the minimum credit score required to qualify for a mortgage?
1: Uh, that's a good one. Um, so I got to answer this in a two-part question just because obviously with COVID going on right now, uh, we have what's called minimum FICO requirements that have been increased from the standard what the guidebook says. Um, so before COVID, we could get you into a home with an FHA Uh, loan which they're stating that the uh, minimum FICO requirement at that time before COVID was 580. Because of COVID and obviously you know people losing jobs and being furloughed and things is becoming a little bit more risky to kind of make deals more appetizing uh, we had to increase these minimum FICO requirements so right now pretty much across the board on every product I'm going to need at least a 620. Uh, Again this could be different from other lenders I don't want you to think that that's the standard you could talk to someone else they could say something different I'm just telling for fairway for Travis Schmidt Group, uh, I would
0: need a 620 right now. Is there a different credit requirements for FHA and conventional?
1: Uh, there is. Uh, and, and Well, <laughs> this, i want want to break down a little bit and give you guys some knowledge on kind of how it works in the back end. When you're talking the difference in credit score requirements for FHA and conventional, technically right now because of the minimum FICO score requirements, technically guide to say, you could do a conventional loan with a 620, you can do an FHA loan with a 620, um, but underwriting is done automated. So we basically enter in all this information into an automated system, and it's gonna come back and tell us whether the loan is either approved or denied. Now, once you get that approval, it's gonna to go to a real underwriter and they're gonna fine tune everything, but going back to the FICO requirements on the difference between the two, even though the guidebook says you can do a 620 on a conventional loan, I haven't seen an automated approval with a 620 FICO on a conventional loan. Uh, and typically pricing um, in monthly payments and everything along those lines are gonna be better on an FHA loan on those lower credit score borrowers. Typically start seeing that scale start to start to slide, you know, 680 to 700, then you start kind of looking at the difference between the two. That would kind of be, you know, my answer on the difference between requirements. You can do one, but I haven't seen it. But does it kind of answer your question? Yes,
0: it does. And what is the credit score to shoot for if I want to get the best rate possible? That's
1: a good one. So depending on the product you're looking at, all the government products, so you have FHA, uh, USDA, VA, you're going to be in the top tier pricing bracket when you're at a 680 FICO. So meaning anything above that, you're not really getting any benefit on those types of products. So yes, you can have the higher score. And yes, I know everybody wants the best score, but when you're applying, don't, hold back from applying because you may not have like a 700 or an 800 or whatever you're thinking. You can get the best pricing on those government loans with a 680. Uh, When it comes to conventional, they're going to scrutinize the score a little bit heavier. Um, You're going to want to be 740 or plus to be in the top tier bracket on a conventional loan though.
0: All right. Thank you. If I want to improve my score to get the best rate, what should I do?
1: That's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to improving your score, man, there's just so many things that you can do. Number one, I'm gonna say utilization is key. Uh, utilization is, you know, what is the difference between what your credit limit is and where are those outstanding balance? If you can get those, the utilization, meaning the difference between the two, as low as possible, you're gonna see the score shoot up. I mean, I've had people have, you know, max out credit cards and then pay them down to about a 20 or 30% utilization. And I've seen like 80 to 100 point swings. I mean, it's it's that big. Other thing too is length of trade lines. So, I mean, if you're somebody now just establishing credit, you may not have the best score. It's because the algorithm that generates that score is really looking at, you know, how much depth do they have? How long are these credit lines been in existence? Um, So just establishing credit at an early age and continuing to making sure your payment's on time, making sure you have good credit, keeping utilization low are kind of the keys. Um, But then you have like the the simple things, you know, making sure that credit is uh, paid on time. You know, try to avoid, you know, collections, you know, monitor your credit, do things like credit karma and make sure if you see any derogatory accounts that you you get them resolved right away. Because again, you need credit for everything. If you don't use it, you lose it is true when it comes to credit. So you want to make sure you're always kind of focusing on getting that credit as high as possible. You know, it's going to affect everything that you try to finance.
0: And if I take the necessary steps to improve my credit score, how long does it take to reflect that on my score?
1: So now that's going to be based off of the actual creditors themselves, because each creditor uh, reports back to the bureaus differently. You might have one that goes you know, every month. You might have one to every 45 days. So at the time you actually pay these things down, you may not see it reflecting in your credit report for up to... You know, two months or 60 days. Again, and it's all based off of that creditor and when they actually report that stuff. Now, there's things we can do on our end, like a rapid rescore. So let's say, for example, you, know, you came in. Let's say you're you're doing a conventional loan. You wanted to get a 740. Let's say you have a 700, and we can simulate what you would need to do to get those 40 points. If you went out there and made those changes and came back to me and showed me the proof of what you did, I can on a credit bureau level submit directly to them, saying, "Hey, we've done X, Y, and Z. Here's the proof." And within about 70 two hours, depending on the type of accounts, we can get those things updated and get a new report immediately.
0: Oh, that's great to know. Thank you. You're very welcome. Another thing that I hear about is debt to income ratio. What is that? Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah. uh, Debt to income ratio is is really the difference between uh, how much uh, debt you have compared to how much income is coming in and basically dividing one into the other. So when we talk about financing, depending on the product, I'm gonna kinda of give you a range here and depending on credit score, I mean, you're gonna to wanna to be on the safe side underneath 50%. So. Round numbers, if you make $2,000 a month, you are going to make sure those liabilities are $1,000 or below. Now, if the credit isn't as favorable and it might be lower, obviously those debt to income ratio requirements are gonna go down. Uh, and then in some cir- circumstances and some products, we can go as high as, I mean, I've seen on FHA deal, 56%. Mm. So again, it's just how much debt do you have? So let's just say, for example, you make $1,000 a month, you got $400 in all liabilities, divided two and together, you're gonna to get 0.4, that would be 40%.
0: Is that income before or after tax?
1: It's before, yeah, so it's gross now the there is a difference when it comes to self-employed borrowers just because you you can't really necessarily use the gross number right because they're not really getting a gross number Mm -hmm. they're showing summary of deposits or summary of all income that's been provided and then we have to use the number after all write-offs and everything because that's what it's going to take to actually run that business it's a little different when you're self-employed but yes if you're a w-2 wage earner it is gross
0: thank you yep if i'm thinking about applying for a mortgage what are some things that i should do and shouldn't do
1: Oh man, the number one deal killer, financing during approval process, right? Meaning, you know, you you talk to your loan officer, he tells you you're good to go, price point 300,000. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're super excited, you go out and you rack up the credit cards, or you open new accounts to buy furniture, you buy a new car. And I know this sounds crazy, you're <laughs> laughing right now. But this happens all the time. Like I'm telling you, we'll get like two weeks from closing. And then you know, we'll, we'll find out, you know, because once we pull your credit and you're in the process, we'll get a notification if you have your credit pulled. So why did you have your credit pulled? You're probably shopping for something. So then I got to ask the question at the end, you know, why did one Cadillac or whatever pull your credit? You know, oh, I bought a car and that can <laughs> disqualify you. Um, so once you're in that process and you're shopping for a home, I mean, refrain from having your credit pulled. Refrain from using you know, credit cards or using credit, refrain from opening any new accounts. I mean, you just gotta kinda sit in a holding pattern until you get that loan done, you get in your home, and then from there, do whatever you want. But that's the number one deal killer. Also too, just making sure everything's paid on time. I mean, you would be shocked, you know, to find out. I mean, I've had situations where clients get approved, you know, credit score is, you know, within ranges, uh, it takes them a little bit longer to get approved, credit reports are good for 120 days, so we come right around that 100 day mark, they get a contract, I got to pull a whole new credit report and over that last 100 days you know, they missed a payment or something else happened so they went from 700 to you know maybe a score that's now no longer uh, qualifiable. <laughs> so again, don't shop for anything, don't use credit, make sure everything's paid on time, make sure everything is perfect at the time you're starting to buy for a house, don't do anything new, a holding pattern is key. <laughs>
0: Thanks. Speaking of uh, pulling credit, if someone's shopping for a mortgage with different lenders, is their credit score going to be negatively affected if they shop around?
1: Uh, It depends on the time period, right? Because the credit reports that we're getting on our end, um, you know, again, all these creditors are reporting a certain amount of time. So let's just say lender A pulls your credit, um, and then I pull shortly after, there's a very high likelihood that I'm going to pull the same exact report. That lender A pulled. Now, as soon as you start going more and more time between the two, then there's a chance that there could be a difference between the two. Say, for example, you have, I'm just gonna throw some out, you got an auto loan, right? And you pulled it, your your lender A, you pulled it, and it was right before they made a payment. Now I pull it two weeks later, a payment's made, and now it's you know reflecting differently. I'm gonna get a new score. Now, as long as everything remains the same during the period that you pulled and I pulled. And again, you have time because if you make a payment today, that creditor may not report for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see the same report. So, yes, you can shop. Um, and again, mortgage inquiries on the type of credit we pull is, is very minimal. I mean, mm-hmm. so if you're nervous about, hey, I don't want to have multiple inquiries, you should do it. I mean, because the difference between lender A and lender B could be substantial. It would be worth maybe the couple points you get dinged to get a better deal.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So we talked about FHA and conventional loans, and they have different requirements if i can qualify for both is there a reason that i should pick one over the other what's the difference
1: uh yeah for sure um again kind of going back to the other question we talked about like hey you know credit requirements i mean typically depending on your scenario and what type of conventional product i can offer you i mean if you're under a 680 almost every single time an FHA loan is gonna work out better. So just because I could get a conventional loan done for you doesn't mean it's gonna be in in your favor. So that's something to kind of keep an eye out. The other thing too, the difference between is if I can do a conventional loan for you from the beginning, you technically never have to ever get rid of that um, conventional mortgage or refinance it to get rid of the mortgage insurance. Uh, where on an FHA loan, it's going to stay with it for the life of the loan. Um, so again, it's kind, of, kind of something to think about because even though rates are low now, at the time you get that equity position to get rid of that mortgage insurance on an FHA loan, who knows what rates will be? You know, so it may not make sense. That may be the best deal you're ever going to get. You may never be able to get rid of that mortgage insurance depending on what rates are at. Uh, where a conventional loan, if you get a super you know low rate now and then mortgage insurance this can fall off. You know, you could be in a better position on a conventional loan, but. Again, could be more expensive depending on uh, credit score
0: you're at when you're applying. What is the mortgage insurance? Is it the same thing as PMI that we see?
1: Yeah, uh, so mortgage insurance is something that was designed to help lenders get to uh, those higher loan to value uh, financing options for people. Because back in the day, I mean, you were putting 50% down and they kind of increased it to 20% down, so an 80% loan to value, And, and lenders don't cross that threshold. Right, the reason why they crossed it, it was this insurance policy, which is mortgage insurance. And mortgage insurance is an insurance policy that insures the lender in case that the borrower defaults. So <laughs> the lenders like these high loan-to-value loans because if you default as a borrower, we we're insured. Mm-hmm. Um, so mortgage insurance got to have whenever you leverage over 80 percent loan to value on a conventional loan uh, you're going to have mortgage insurance forever on an fha loan uh, regardless of the down payment so uh, things to kind of keep in mind but it's something that you have to have it is a necessary evil uh, but again on a conventional loan you can get rid of it when you have at least 20 percent
0: equity thank you your personal opinion if i make a low down payment even if i have the money and take that PMI. Do you think it's worth it with today's rates?
1: Ah, uh, man. So this is this is a tough one. Just because I think if we lined up ten people here today and said, "Hey, you know, would you rather put less money down and have mortgage insurance, or would you rather put more down and not have it?" And I think everyone's appetites can be different. I mean, I was told at a young age, "Cash is king." Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather have more money sitting in my account and finance more over thirty years because rates are so low. And again, depending on what that amount is, I mean, you could probably put that money somewhere else. It could probably work for you at a better rate than just taking, you know, what you can get now and, you know, take a little bit of mortgage insurance, and especially at those like higher credit scores. I think we should touch on a little bit but you asked me about uh, what was the top uh, credit tier mm-hmm. when it came to rates, but it is different when it comes to mortgage insurance. I mean, last time I looked at um, of pricing chart for mortgage insurance, I think 780 is top tier. So as you get into those higher uh, credit levels, I mean, I've seen on a you know 300 thousand dollar deal, mortgage insurance be fifty or sixty bucks. You know, so I think everyone has this this idea that mortgage insurance is you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Which yes, it, it can. I mean, I've seen. $600 on a $400,000 loan, I mean, wow. it, it can get expensive. Um, so again, it's kind of only really depends. If you could put more money down because you're going to avoid one of those super high ones, do it. But if it's going to be 50 or 60 bucks a month and you can save, you know, fifteen dollars to $30,000 by not putting that extra money down or more, I would say, give me that mortgage insurance, man. Thank you. Yeah.
0: What are the employment history requirements to get a mortgage?
1: Yeah. Um, so a couple of things I'm going to touch on, and I'm going to bring some of the COVID guidelines in because this is kind of new. Typically, if you're, if you're brand new to the workforce, meaning, let's just say you're 18, 19, 20 years old, never had a job before. Uh, you're going to have to have at least two years work hi- history. All right. So now let's fast forward. You're 30 years old. You have plenty of work history. Let's just say that you, you quit your job and you're starting a new job. So I think that's where your question was going. Like, mm-hmm. hey, how much job history do I need to have? In that scenario, going from like an hourly or salary type position Going over to the very next job, similar pay, meaning hourly or salary type job, there's no waiting period. Mm -hmm. As long as you go into the new job with normal full-time hours, you're good. Uh, Where this is going to change, though, let's just say you're going from W-2 wage earner job, and now you're going to go to a commission job. This changes everything because, obviously, as you know, commission job – you can you know, make a lot of money one month, you make mm-hmm. zero the next. So the guidelines are written to say, hey, we need enough sample time to go by so we understand you know, what this really looks like. And, and the underwriters and the guidebooks are saying, hey, this is about a one year time frame. So over one year of working a job like that, even though you had the two years of history before, you're gonna have to wait at least one year to see this amount. Similar for uh, self-employed borrowers. Let's just say you're a W-2 wage earner now, like, hey, I'm gonna start my own business, I can do this better. Uh, in that scenario with no history, guidelines are going to say two years requirements. However, there are some language in the uh, the guidebook where you can get by with at least a full 12 months of self-employed income. So let's just say, for example, you you go out on your own on February 2020. Technically, in that scenario, you're going to kind of screw yourself. You're going to have to wait two years because you don't have the full 12 months on tax returns until the 2021 year. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Um, now let's just say you started December, 2020. Well, technically in that scenario, once you come through 2021, all 12 months, you know, you could, when you file those returns, get a deal through. Now again, it's a little bit tougher with the one year, you know, it, it's you gotta make sure that your law officer knows what he's doing to get something like that through.
0: Thank you. So I know a lot of people in med schools or grad schools, these people don't make much money right now or people in law schools, but we know that once they graduate, they're gonna get really good jobs, high paying jobs. If they want to buy a house now, are there any special programs tailored for these people?
1: Well, um, there's not going to be any special programs to give them credit for future income because we really don't know what that is, mm-hmm. right? And that's what an underwriter is looking for. is like, how much can we give credit to somebody if we don't know? You know, so without knowing like, hey, yeah, yes, we understand he's going to graduate. And yes, the income's probably going to be substantial. But... What what is that number? So you really can't qualify somebody unless you until you know. Mm -hmm. Uh but things like offer letters can help, you know, kind of get you through that, you know, get you through that gap. Uh there are programs out there because obviously a lot of these professionals have crazy student loan balances. Mm -hmm. So there are programs to kind of look past these types of things to get them into their position because they understand you know within a few months of them getting this job or starting this job that the income's gonna go through the roof. So so there is a little help there, but a lot of times we at least need to know uh again, where's the job, where are they working? What does the pay look like?
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. For people saving their down payment, I hear the term seasoned funds. What does that mean?
1: Seasoned funds means that the funds have been sitting in account long enough to be seasoned. I mean, they've been there, they're sitting there, uh, they're verifiable for a long enough period of time. Uh, Again, when it comes to seasoned funds, I mean, we're gonna put two months of bank statements in a file. So let's just say that you got a large deposit, you put it in, a few months have passed. You know, a lender may not even know how long that money's been there because by the time you supply me the statements, I just think it's been there. Mm-hmm. Again, but a lot of times now, as long as it's a, you know, verifiable source, you don't necessarily have to have them seasoned so long. So if it's an unverifiable source, then yes, it needs to be seasoned because it needs to be in the account by the time I see it. But let's just say, for example, uh, you're buying a home and you're like, you know what, you need 30000 down. And you're like, man, I only got 15, but hey, Pops will give me the other 15. In that scenario, even though yes, it's a large deposit, no, it's not seasoned, your your parents are an eligible donor source for a gift. So you can put that in there. We go through the process of verifying it. There's a gift letter that gets completed. And then those funds can be used. So it really kind of depends on the situation. Again, another good question. Talk to your lender. Be upfront with them. It's it's their job to package this loan the best of their ability and then present it to an underwriter to make sure they get an approval. So if you come in from the you know from the beginning, you tell your loan officer, hey, I understand you're telling me I need 30. I got 15, but I got X, Y, and Z is going to help me. They can tell you, hey, maybe X, Y works, but Z definitely does not. You want to go those other directions. Mm-hmm. If those aren't an option, then get the money in the account, wait a few months, and then apply because now the funds have been seasoned.
0: So if I'm, let's say, selling some stocks or getting money from my 401k, do I need to do that earlier or can I do it right before the down payment is due?
1: Uh, yeah, you can do that right before the down payment's due because it's, it's all seasoned. I mean, we see the funds. Like you would supply statements, right? So I'm gonna see your 401k statement it has X amount of dollars in there. You're saying, hey, I'm gonna withdraw so much. This is verifiable. It's it's yours. So it's just it's just a process of transferring it, and that's all fine. You could do that in the process. Now, the only advice I would give you in that scenario is gonna be find out how long it's gonna take. I've had some of these, you know, 401k companies, you know, take a few weeks from the time you initiate the draw, from they go through the you know approval processes and then get it out to you. I've had some situations that they won't even do it electronically, they're gonna mail you a check. So if you're gonna wait to uh, go that direction, just make sure you kind of know the timelines, especially now Arizona, we move fast. I mean, you know, transactions 30 days typically, so just make sure you're on the ball when it's going on. But again, back to that other answer, just make sure your loan officer knows. They'll help advise you, tell you what can be used, what can't be used, and, you know, kind of help you out on the timelines there.
0: Thank you. Is there currently any down payment assistance programs out there?
1: Yeah, there is. Um, there's actually a few. There's a handful. Um, we don't have to go in depth on all of them. They typically all pretty much... Are structured the same. They all are going to piggyback one of the normal products, conventional FHA, VA, USDA. Um, and what it is, it's a third party that says, hey, we're going to give you these funds as a silent second. So uh, it's kind of free depending on how long, right? And they'll they'll say, hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars for three years as long as you stay in the house or technically in this loan for at least three years, you pay it back with time served. So it's not with any cash. You stay in it for that amount of time. Uh, they'll just forgive it. Now, if you try to sell or refinance that mortgage, you know, within that three years, you're going to have to pay back whatever was kind of unforgiven in a way. So for round numbers, let's just say that you took $3,600. I'm using 3600 for round numbers, three years, 36 months. Let's just say you stayed in the house for two years, 24 months, $2,400 would be forgiven. would be left, or you would have to end up paying back in the event that you sold or refinanced that loan. But yeah, great products. Um, They are a little bit more expensive than your standard stuff. But I mean, if if your only reason for not applying or not wanting to buy a home is, hey, I don't have the down payment, and these programs are perfect for you, they can get you into a home with little to none out of pocket. uh, And with the help of the sellers, I mean, you can literally get into a house with with none. Mm -hmm. I mean, so great products, if that's the only thing holding you back. Uh, yeah they definitely exist we're doing them all the time Uh, it's a very popular product thank you yeah
0: so as you know the market is crazy right now and especially the first time home buyers are having trouble getting their offers accepted or having trouble reaching the asking price or above asking price and sometimes i recommend them maybe look into some fixer upper homes there's not as much competition for those homes if they buy a fixer upper home can they Finance, the fixing upping the repair costs.
1: I love this question. I have for the longest time tried to get people to bite on this idea. Now it's it's hard to get them to because when you're and you probably know when you're taking them through some of these less desirable properties, it's hard to kind of put that vision on. You know, what can this house truly look like? But to answer your question, yes, I mean there are products out there that will give you the money to fix this thing up to turn into your, your dream home. And this could be a shack. It does not look good at all. Plug in whatever adjective you want there, uh, and then you can get the funds to turn into your dream home. You literally can do it. I mean, you keep one wall up, knock the rest down, build a dream home. Again, there are requirements on how much you could borrow. But I mean, right now, I mean, we just increased the conforming loan limit. Gosh, I mean, it literally just happened. So don't quote me on this, like 568000 something like that. Something like so I mean, that. that's, you know, once you bring the minimum down payment of, you know the five percent. I mean, this is putting you at some substantial buying power, and you find a home that's beat up for two hundred thousand, and you know you got another three hundred k to put in this house. Just think about what you can build, mm-hmm. right? So good, amazing uh, products. Yes, they exist, but again, I think the hard part is getting someone to see that that vision. You know, when you're walking into a beat up home, how do you get someone to be like, it could look like this? You know, but if you can do that. Man, I, I think it's a great product because there are a lot of less desirable properties. You're going to take away all the competition. You know, you've got a house that's been on the market forever because it's, you know, less desirable. And you can walk in there, submit a gr- good offer, maybe a lowball offer because it's not moving because nobody wants it. But your client is willing to, hey, I'm willing to sit down with a contractor and make this thing beautiful. Again, I think it's the easiest way to go right now Just Like you said, it's very aggressive. Competition's mm-hmm. crazy.
0: Does that loan roll into regular mortgage or is it a separate product that has a different interest rate or cost?
1: It is one product. It, and again, kind of going back to what we talked about the down payment assistance programs where it's like some, it always piggies the uh, the normal standard products. This is actually a standard product. Conventional or Fannie Freddie have their own product. Uh, FHA has their own product. VA has their own, but they're pretty restrictive on what you can go with you'd want to go with one of the other ones but yeah it's a standalone normal product depending on your credit score rates are a little bit higher maybe a quarter to three eighths higher but it, it is it is you know kind of a construction loan which typically are a little bit more expensive but yeah it's a loan that is good it's competitive and with rates at where they're at now I mean still if you if you got a rehab loan today it would still be at a rate better than what anyone ever got last year you cool. know so again definitely something to consider um, great products again he's got a it's that vision thank you yeah you know just just trying to get creative I think I don't necessarily have questions but maybe just some advice you know obviously you're, you're out there you're taking these clients around you're trying to get these offers accepted I mean the best advice talk to your lender early you know you would be surprised how many people which I know you guys are saying hey talk to lender early but they never do you mm-hmm. know it's more or less like hey it's a Saturday you find the dream home and then it's like oh call the lender real quick we gotta get this thing done real fast you're right so we're trying to rush trying to get this thing done which I'll do any day of the week but What's happening here is if we don't get enough information in time and we rush to try to put this offer in, there's a good potential. You might lose the deal, you know. So it's like if you're truly looking, start early. You take the time You know, before it's last minute. Um, kind of piggybacking on that, too. I'm getting a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, lease is up, for example, February. And they think they're going to start shopping in December. Like, you got to understand the timelines. You have at least a 30-day time period for closing. So uh, back that up. So you got to start shopping at least 60 to 30 days before you need to be under contract to allow me 30 days to close, right? So when you start really adding this up, you know, I was talking to somebody today, and they were like, oh, my lease is up in June. I have plenty of time. I'm like, you really don't? <laughs> By February time, you got to have all this stuff done that I told you because come March, you probably need to start shopping because that's giving you 60 days to shop. It's giving mm-hmm. you 30 days to close, getting you out when your lease is done. So, and again, you know, you know the yeah. market. I mean, I have some people that have been shopping. You
0: know, longer than that. For months. Yeah. Know. So, especially in this market. Yeah. So
1: you really have you really got to know the timeline. You, these things just don't happen like this. And yes, I mean, I have people that will get pre-qualified on a Monday or Tuesday, and they go out the next weekend. And yes, we'll get a contract. But that's not everybody, and that's very rare right now. It's very difficult. Don't delay. You know, if you find a property you like, like I really like this one. You know, I'm gonna wait for the wife to come home. I'm gonna talk to her about it for a couple of days. That house is gone. Mm-hmm. There's Jeez. there's none of that. It's like, hey, you need to. You love the house. You need to talk to the wife. You need to schedule a time same day. You can go look at this thing. Yes. Um, so again, I think this timing right now is super important. Make sure you're qualified. Make sure the offer is strong. Those days when you could lowball an offer are gone. Good, strong, solid offers. I mean, we're getting. You might be able to attest to this better than me, but I mean, I have some situations right here. Oh yeah, we got twenty offers on a home. Mm-hmm. You. Know, what do you think they're going after? Highest one, right? <laughs> yes. So it's like you know, if you know that they're getting twenty offers, or this is what's happening, and you say, oh, well, I'm going to lowball this guy ten grand. Your offer's not going to be accepted. <laughs> they want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these are things. I mean, it's got a, It's it is tough. It is a seller's market. Um, but again, don't be afraid to go a little bit higher. I mean, rates are good. I and mean, if you were to if you were to buy, I mean, now's the time. I mean, you've never had rates the way they're at now. You're never going to have the payment as low as you you can currently have it now, based off of the amount that you're financing. I think that's the best advice. You know, right now, timing, making sure that you're being diligent. Um, I think that maybe just goes back to just making sure, you know, are you really serious? If you're serious, you're going to pull the trigger, do all the right
0: things, make sure you're
1: doing it right, because right now it's tough.
0: Yes. Well, Travis, thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions. How can the watchers, the subscribers can reach out to you to get their mortgage?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, super easy. Uh, you can reach me at my email, which is my first name, Travis, dot my last name, Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T at fairway the letters mc as in mortgagecompany.com or my direct phone number 602-312-4032
0: thank you hey thank you so much thank you for watching guys don't forget to like this video and subscribe to my channel and make sure you pick up your free gift down below see you in the next video